Hello and welcome to Heart Yoga Radio. We're in the yoga room today. We thought this is more of an indoor podcast because we've got a lot of notes and things that we need to be referring to for this one. So today we want to talk about the relatively new film that's out on Netflix called Don't Look Up. And we're a bit late to the party with this one because um, everyone and her dog is talking <laughs> about this film at the moment. Everyone's done a review of it. But uh, we want to talk about the particular aspects of the film that uh, are particularly interesting to us and hopefully interesting to you too. So a bit of a warning for anyone who hasn't seen this film. This is going to contain a lot of spoilers Uh, But to be honest with you, the film's so good, even if we told you the entire story, you'd still really enjoy watching this film. We've watched it twice now, and I went over it a third time so I could write down some various quotes, and it's amazing every single time how Adam McKay has managed to bring so much humour, so many laugh-out-loud moments to a film of this level of traumatic (laughs) reality (laughs) Uh, I think he's I think he's a genius to be able to do that uh, because Mm. it's it is it is a film about climate change really Mm. Um, he wrote this before the pandemic Mm. and I've heard a lot of people saying oh this is obviously to do with the pandemic but uh, I, I watched an interview with Adam McKay and he clearly said this is this is about climate change and how human beings at the moment are reacting to the data we have about climate change mm-hmm. and how politicians and the media are reacting and <clears throat> it's a it's like a <laughs> almost like a prophecy of what's to come but in the film Climate change is replaced by a absolutely massive comet the size of Mount Everest, which is hurtling towards Earth on direct collision course. So the film begins with Dr Mindy and his colleague Kate. They discover this comet and at first they're very excited. Oh, something new. Um, and they, they have a little party in, in the lab that they've dis- discovered this, this mm. comet. And then they start doing the maths and slowly realise that it is on a direct collision course with Earth. And we journey with them through this horrible, horrible realisation of what is about to happen. And they become desperate to try and warn the government so that something can be done. So they they contact someone who arranges a meeting with the president and they are rushed to the White House. Now, at first, the president doesn't really want to do anything about the comet because the midterms are coming up and she thinks that it might interfere with her own personal political agenda and her career. So Mm. saving the planet really isn't in her best interest, so she decides just to put it off for a little bit. (laughs) And uh, our two scientists just can't believe their ears. They just can't believe it, that she's putting her 
her own career over the all life on Earth. Yeah. So they go away and they, so they, they're initially shocked by the fact that the comet's going to hit the Earth. And now the shock deepens as they realise that it, there's, there's just nothing, nothing going to be done. Nobody's going to listen or care. But then it turns out that uh, the president's probably going to lose the midterms anyway. So she calls them back and decides to <laughs> turn this into a PR stunt where that might actually be good for her political career. Yeah. <laughs> now, famous for saving the planet, it's got to be a vote winner, really. Yeah. So she thinks that maybe saving the planet would be good for her political career, and maybe get her voted in next time. So there's her motivation for actually doing something. Now there's a, a guy, Dr. Oglethorpe, who is the head of interplanetary defence at NASA. He's held this post for 15 years, and he tells the president that uh, there actually are uh, government plans in place for this kind of event, mm -hmm. where they can send up a load of missiles and knock the the comet off course. Yeah. So she decides to do this, and they're all sitting in the operations room and the the rockets are blasting off and the scientists think oh thank god at last somebody they've listened to us and they're doing something and there's this moment of hope a moment of hope where we're all <laughs> going to be saved but then they watch the rockets and suddenly they seem to start turning around and nobody understands why and it transpires that the billionaire who owns the the government, who's just a kind of a very bland, generic sort of man who just represents all the billionaires, <laughs> the, the tech billionaires and the oil billionaires, who really yeah. just own the governments and do the government's bidding, has taken the president aside just right after the launch and told her that he's discovered that there's lots of mm. mineral wealth existing within the comet and therefore a massive wonderful opportunity for them all to be tremendously rich. So at the last minute, she calls off this attempt to save the whole planet because it's going to be much more profitable not <laughs> to bother. She decides that the billionaire's plan of sending different kinds of rockets by his design up to the comet to break it up into smaller pieces and then allow it to hit the Earth <laughs> in smaller pieces so that they can then mine the comet and get out the, the gold or whatever is inside it. Mm. Very, rare, rare very dodgy plan. He mentions rare earths, which are like this stuff for, you know, mobile phones, and which there are conflicts in various parts of the planet over the fact that companies want, want them. Yeah. <laughs> and the international corporations want them, and they've got American sort of military back in, you know, at least the threat of it, you know. So, you know, I mean, there's, there's a point there. He's, he's, he's kind of like a generic uh, 
superhero villain tech genius, isn't he? He's one. He's a tech bro. Yeah. You know, but of course this is also this is about big oil and the military industrial complex. So the scientists are again stunned at this, and throughout the film, we again we sort of ride in their their minds and their emotions as they become more and more horrified and eventually completely disillusioned. So the attempt is made by the billionaire to send up his rockets and disperse the the comet into to smaller pieces. Nobody ever really says where these smaller pieces are exactly going to land. It seems highly uncontrollable. So there's <laughs> going to be some massive destruction, even if they do manage to not actually destroy the whole planet, they're going to destroy some of it and some people's countries are probably going to be trashed. But that doesn't matter because the billionaires are going to make a fortune, so that's all well, fine. They're now here to trash countries. They do it all the time. <laughs> but unfortunately, the attempt fails and the comet continues on its course. When this is realised, the billionaire says, "Ah, oh, just um, I just need to go and use the bathroom. Everything's fine. Everything's fine." But actually, he's rushing off to his own rocket, and the president uh, follows, where they're going to climb aboard their own spaceship and leave Earth just before it gets destroyed. So maybe they were never bothered about saving the Earth because they always had a plan B anyway. <laughs> In amongst all of this chaos and destruction and devastation there is a a political campaign called don't look up which is why the film is called that and the president after the first attempt is to destroy the comet is called off uh, just some very very trump-like rallies where she says all the things that uh, that many politicians say to get the people on board with, with any old crap that they want to peddle, um, which is saying they're trying to make you afraid of the comet. Just don't look up. Don't look at the comet. Don't look at the environmental destruction that's going on. If you don't look, it's not real. And all oh, they're, they're there with their, their MAGA hats on, sort of shouting in the crowd and chanting, don't look up, <laughs> don't look up. <laughs> And they're, they're, they're doing that. Like it's, a very, it's a very, very good uh, parody of Trump. But she's not really just representing Trump. She's representing Hillary as well because of mm. the way that she mm. presents herself and looks. So she is, she's like really both of them. Because they both would really probably have been just as bad. Mm. And it's, it's like the passion and the vehemence that the crowd is whipped up to with this utter denial of what's coming. I mean, it, it, there's fights and arguments and families turning against each other and, and people uh, arguing and shouting. <laughs> Sounds and, familiar. And saying it's a hoax and it's not real. Just don't look up. They want to frighten us. It's not real. The comet's a hoax. Mm. And then other people are being interviewed saying, well... 
you know, I really appreciate the opportunities that the comet's going to bring because they're being told that it's all about going to create jobs. loads of jobs for them <laughs> yeah. and, and, and America's yeah. going to be great again yeah. because they've got all this, this wealth coming with yeah. the, the comet and The mineral rights. <laughs> and then it becomes undeniable that the comet is here and as they're in the crowd, there's this moment, um, there's... You, they're screaming, don't look up, again, with all this righteous passion. Yeah. Then one of them looks up and sees it. And you can actually now, it's close enough, you can see it. It's looming large in the sky. And and he goes, they lied to us. <laughs> and, and and then he starts shouting, look up, and everyone looks up. And then, and then they realise this moment when they realise it's actually real and we're all going to die. <laughs> and they start throwing bottles at the politicians on the stage where we've been dancing to the Don't Look Up music. and um, It's got its own cheer. Yeah. <laughs> um, Meanwhile, the scientists have resigned themselves to the fact that they probably only have a few hours left to live. And there's quite a beautiful scene at the end where they've all just decided how they're going to spend these last few hours and they're just having dinner together. And it's very touching, actually, because they all know that they have just a few hours before... Mm. they're just incinerated mm. and they're quite calm they've they've like they're sort of almost at peace with themselves they've accepted it they know that there's there's nothing they can do now and they, their conversation is almost about inconsequential things just normal things that happen and they're talking about the food and different ways of cooking fish and various mm -hmm. things but it's like all the very ordinary things that they're talking about become very precious. Mm. And you realise that everything they've got, even like the food on the table and the clothes they're wearing and the pictures on the wall of the generations of the fa their family, it's all incredibly precious. And these last few moments are... Deeply significant. Everything they say, talking about these mundane things, are very significant. And there's a a line that uh, Dr. Mindy says, which I think everyone would remember after they'd watched, just watched this film, kind of nearly towards the end of this conversation, where they've probably got ten minutes now. He says, "We had everything, didn't we?" Mm. and we did <laughs> and in a sense we still do uh, well, maybe not everything left anymore because you know all those animals that are extinct aren't coming back anytime soon but um, mm -hmm. we still do have plenty and 
saving all life on Earth from total environmental collapse is doable if there's the political will. Like, for instance, when we had the 2008 and eight, um, financial crash, mm -hmm. the politicians stepped in very quickly. Uh, one bank went down in America, but they they saved the rest of them. It was it was decisive. It was quick saving the economy. But it's important, you see. That's all <laughs> to do with money. That's important. And they did that here as well. Stepped in really quickly mm. and saved the economy. But they're not stepping in very quickly to actually save the whole planet, all life on no. Earth, the no. the very systems that we all depend on to actually... Mm exist mm. because it's not profitable yeah well this film basically unpacks all the ways in which the status quo seeks to keep itself going in other words the the arrangement of pretty well the global economy in in in, in a, 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 an oligarchy and uh the film catalogues all, all the ways that the, it's made difficult for the public to actually get wind of how all this operates. Number one, through, well, the fact that the, 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 the oligarchs own the media and they have techniques, media techniques of keeping us in the dark, you know. And better than outright lies is they're just not saying anything, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Because uh, because then you 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 know hostage the fortune with a proposition that might be easily demonstrated to be false. You haven't said anything. Nobody can accuse you of anything. And that's like one of their methods. But of course they trivialise and deflect and misinform and misdirect uh, celebrity culture, for instance. And that comes in for a knock in in the film, doesn't it? Yeah. You know I mean? In fact, the whole media. Nothing, nothing escapes the comedic barb in this, no. which is what's one of the things that's, that's so beautiful about it. I mean, it. Every, every aspect of, of modern modern life, you know, remorselessly uh, uh, taken the piss out uh, of, but in I mean, a very funny I way. I mean, yeah. really, every aspect. You know, the yeah. way the media operate, which I take as being important, because we have this this bug bugbear about information and misinformation, and post truth and all the rest of it. And that was really, really well brought out, I would say. Uh, and the way in which the media is bought, you know, or the media buys, the, the media is completely incorporated with the oligopoly or the oligarchy. And uh, the whole thing is it, is, it is a critique of capitalism. I mean, you don't go into the weeds <laughs> with some kind of highly subtle theory about surplus value and all the rest of it. But it is definitely a, a satirical and very barbed satire of, of capitalism. You know, the, and I think that it does take a swipe at the idea that uh, capitalistic uh, applications of technology, big tech, is what can save the day vis-a-vis -vis climate. And some of the tech bros position themselves like that, don't they? Silicon Valley... Billionaires, you know, generally sort of socially liberal and and generally in favour of accepting the scientific verdict, because it is a science-based industry on climate change and its causes. You know, so there's a there's a, there's a lot of ins and outs, and it's it's all thoroughly explained. Uh, well, I mean, it's all thoroughly illustrated in, in in this film, and there's a lot of detail. I mean, you you sort of 
gave the, the, the backbone of the story there, Anna, and very well, you know, and outlined all the, the main features of the landscape, but it's, it's fine-grained. The characters are understood, particularly the sci- the scientists. You know, they 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 are sort of quite actually round, rounded characters, and of course they're going through a kind of a getting of wisdom as the as the thing unfolds, which is really interesting. Yeah, one thing I, I didn't mention because um, it's, it's yeah, one thing I didn't mention here is that um, all the key parts are played by very well known actors. Uh, which is a bit, it's, it's incidental, so I don't really care about famous people. But, but needless to say, they all do an excellent job, which really carries the film in, in a, a, a highly, highly watchable way because they're all just, they all just play oh. their parts so perfectly. Mm. There's no yeah. false notes here at all. Yeah, I mean, in terms of um, what, what, what this thing is, you know, I would say it's, it, it, it's a satire, it's a political satire in the tradition of, Hogarth and I don't know Gerald Scarf or somebody of that type, you know, spitting image. It's, you know, it's it's. I mean, and it's right at the top of that game, I would say, as storytelling. Yeah, right and it looks top. beautiful as well. And it's, and it's the way that, that they've. Yeah, yeah, the whole thing is done with very, very, very slick, very, very high Hollywood production values, and they they have the 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 the, the most stringent production values in in, in the world. You know. And they, it means that what they produce is as a as a kind of a kind of a, a slickness and a polish to it, and yeah, uh, and it's highly highly. But it's seductive. Which, it's which seductive. It, it is, yeah. I mean, I think it's, um, it's really great and very perfect the way that uh, he has created this film because because it's so watchable and so funny and it's very gripping and the way it's put together is it's just it's it's not it's. You know, sometimes when you're watching something that's regarding subject matter like this, it can be a bit kind of like grinding, and and you sort of you got to yeah. work at it. But yeah. this this is made to be uh, popular, and it is. Mm. I mean, that's one of the reasons I I I I wanted to talk about it. Just well, everyone's talking about it, <laughs> but the fact that everyone's talking about it is quite a phenomenon in uh, mm. in itself. Yeah, uh, yeah, it is. It it is remarkable. Uh, the uh, amount of comment this this film's eliciting and it's really quite a lot and we, we've sort of looked at what other people have said about it as well as having quite a lot of conversations about yeah. it and we both watched it twice haven't we and uh, it's great that there's this piece of popular art you know done by the great popular art medium of the last century and a half perhaps you know cinema Coming through in its modern form as a Netflix original, you know, but with absolutely st- stellar cast, you know. And the, I mean, it's I would say on the level of the craft of the, of acting and um, script, and you know all the, the costumes and all the rest of it, and the semiology of it are, uh, are very, very uh, up there near perfect. Yeah, and it means because of all that that people who wouldn't normally be sl- even slightly interested in watching a film that has this kind of subject matter mm. they will watch it mm. and hopefully have a, yeah. have a little bit of a yeah. comfortable realisation of how our governments are going to manipulate us to react to yeah. uh, very very serious events that are coming 
and they're going to manipulate the, the population into supporting the billionaires and protecting their profits rather mm. than actually yeah. doing something yeah. about it which will help them. Oh, what one one point the, the film, film makes, or there's one key juncture in the in the script. It's the moment of realization when the the the, the people are, that are indulging in sort of cult like behaviour in their um, don't look up hats, you know, which are just obviously make America great again hats, and suddenly there's this realization, but too late, too late. And I suppose that the message of the film is if is get your skates on, otherwise that realisation moment's going to be too late. And at the moment it's not looking good, and I, I, I say that in how COP26 dropped off the radar the day after it happened. Even amongst the sort of the, 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 the eco-socialist commentators, you know, and the, and the, you know, the, uh, the, the green analysts who, who come on YouTube and on... on uh, on the mainstream media, dropped off the radar. I suppose the one hopeful thing there is that they're going to do it yearly. That the, the COP twenty six has got part two next year, in which countries are supposed to report how they do. It still seems kind of pathetic to my mind. So they're going to wait pathetic. a whole year before pathetic. they do anything else. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. <laughs> it, it, is, it is pathetic. But of course, it's the media that reports reports or fails to report. It's what they don't say that matters, you know. And. Uh, Yep, very stimula- a very stimulating film, I would say. And you know, and if you if you enjoy se- semiology, you know, in other words, the signs. This is a wonderful dance of signs. This film that's just very very witty. Of course, the best satire is always very witty, but it consists of like little sort of half a dozen frames. You know, half a second of of the photographs on the president's desk in the Oval Office. And there's a, then there's a photo of Bill and Hillary having a hug. You know, and then there's somewhere else on the desk. There's a photo of Dick Cheney. You know, of, of course, Adam McCoy made a film about called Voice, a political film, an excellent political film as well. So just going back to the the fact that Adam McKay wrote this script before the pandemic. I saw an interview with a. Uh, Kate Blanchett, who plays a reporter in this film, and she said she got the script. And then things that were in the script, very important key things in the script, started actually happening. And it's like she she said she she called up McKay a couple of times and said, "This what's in the script is now actually happening." <laughs> so we had, what we have now is like in the film a very very serious situation. That is going to, I mean, in the film, it's going to obliterate everything. But in reality, we've got COVID that was going to kill a lot of people. And just like in the film where the president is screaming, it's a hoax, Mm. it's a hoax, don't look up, don't look at the bad thing. Uh, They're just trying to scare you. Mm. was practically word for word what Trump was saying about COVID. That's right, yeah. And working up people in the same, exactly the same way as the the character of the president was mm. in the script, and I, th- I yeah. think somebody said that he had to rewrite the script to it. It wasn't funny because it was just it was almost like 
uh, uh, the original script was just describing what had actually just really happened. So we needed yeah. to have it up and make it a bit more ridiculous to kind of to actually get any to get to bring up the humour to the level yeah. that he wanted it. And, because it, reality was yeah. just so bizarre that he, yeah. he had to turn it up. Yeah, and that 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 that's that a very high pitch on 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 the uh, you know the uh, the brutality of the message and all the rest of it. So I think. Uh, turned out to be well judged, you know, for, you know, in in the makeup of how the thing works and how funny it is, you know, yeah. and how tragic it is. I mean, it really is. It's 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 very very fucking dark. It's very dark. It is. I mean, it's it's a wonderful film to watch, and because it is so funny, but the yeah. end just leaves you. Do, mm. You do feel quite stunned yeah. and very moved. I mean, a little epistemological point you might want to drag out, out, out of it as, as, as well, you know, and the similarity that you noticed between the the, the, the way that the COVID um, disaster has, has panned out, particularly in the United States, compares with the, the story of this film, which, of course, is about global warming, ultimately. Um, it, it is that, that it's... That, that both are the result of, of a prevailing anti-science attitude, you know, that has been mobilised by the propagandists of the oligarchs, you know, an, anti, an anti-science um, vibe, which they've spent a lot of money on, on promoting because it's enabled them to deny, or they, they, they've used it as a way of denying um, global warming, you know, so you know, quasi-scientific uh, climate denial has been paid for and promoted by big oil itself. Has put billions and billions of dollars and getting the idea to kind of stick in the general population that science is 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 really a little bit dodgy. Stick with the Bible or whatever the fuck it might be, yeah. and and that's why you we get the resonance between the COVID situation and the. Uh, global warming situation is because they both have got at their core this, episto- this epistemological uh, stance of science denial. You know, that's why I'm so interested in getting as much clarity as possible about the, ag- the actual nature of science. And, of course, you think, well, that is a sensible way to go down. We need to make that case. People, people like me who, who speak to other people who think about ideas at that kind of, I don't know, level, you might say, um, I mean, this, this this is where you come to. You come to having to sort of try and get some clarity about the nature of science, and then you find it, it's not actually that easy. You know, and the fact that it's not easy, of course, is something that the science denialists mobilise. They mobilise the fact that it's going to be very hard for, for the man in the street to, to have a bit of a sense of the, the messiness of science. And, and to understand the ways which, nevertheless, it's our best bet as a means of getting the information we need to address specific uh, problems for human beings. And we have some very, very grave problems. And the science has got a lot to say about it. It doesn't have everything to say about it. There are all areas of analysis and thought that need to be engaged in. There are, there, there are to the side of science, but the science is, has, has got such a major role in in the way the way human life proceeds on this planet, you know that science denialism is really really fucking pernicious. Yeah, and they have to deeply brainwash people to uh, just ignore mm. 
that science. I mean, there's a there's a there's a key moment in the film for me is when uh, Doctor Mindy finally breaks down on TV, mm. and is <laughs> is been trying to patiently explain and persuade for a long time, and he's back on the the some daytime TV program where the presenters are like saying well we've heard a lot about this comet and is it real is it not real and they're making light of it all the time making it light and funny and uh, completely non-scary and probably not even real and and just making jokes yeah we keep everything light is that these what they say in their, their yeah. approach to to news we keep everything light yeah. the end of the world oh yes well you know uh, we'll deflect on that one. You know, are, there, are aliens real? Do you think there's life on other planets? You know, America's sexiest astronomer. Yeah. He gets known as. And yeah. then there's a movement starts called Aylif something, which is short for astronomer I'd like to fuck. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, I mean, the, the, you know, that triviality is absolutely milk for every every fucking belly laugh. Yeah, and, and Schadenfreude um, experience. It's but it's just very, wonderful. very poignant when he when he breaks down. So he's been subjected to this for ages, and yeah, is, yeah. he he gets just really emotional. And he says, "It's fucking real! It's <laughs> real! We can see it! It's in the sky! It's real!" And he's he's he just starts sort of screaming, and he looks into the camera, and he's knocking his glasses all askew, and he says, "If we can't all agree that." A comet the size of Mount Everest directly hitting the Earth is a bad thing. What the hell happened to us? What have we done to ourselves? How can we talk to each other anymore? How could we possibly come back from this? Because he's seeing the intensity of the brainwashing and the conspiracy theories and people just being obsessed with uh, a celebrity breakup but then kind of not too bothered about the fact that the whole earth is going to be destroyed. Um, mm. And it's like, I, I, th- I thought exactly, I thought, yeah, you know, how do we come back from this? Because people have been relentlessly brainwashed yeah. to think that climate change isn't real and oh, that we shouldn't listen to the scientists. We're being brainwashed mm. by the scientists mm. and all oh, the experts. Mm. We don't need experts. Yeah. Well, Michael Gove said that, didn't he? Yeah. We don't need experts. And Nigel Farage... Uh, refers to scientists as mad scientists, oh. trying to get some some resonance from our comic book days. You know, uh, Lex or anybody in a white coat is Lex Luthor. He's a kind of a trope that he's like uh, he's plugging into. You know. Well, I think we've been going on a long time here, but I, I would like to give a nod to uh, David Sirota as well. All the people we've mentioned here, who, uh, I believe, uh, had the original script. Uh, written on the back of an envelope, and I think he did contribute to the script as well. I mean, David Sirota is Bernie Sanders, is, or one of his um, word guys, I understand. So he's a guy, you know, uh, who is sort of enmeshed in that sort of American-style progressive politics. So, and I suppose, another nod towards the military-industrial complex, <laughs> who are also big players in, in this story, you know? And... Uh, they come in for loads and loads of flack and uh, streams and streams of extremely funny jokes. So do watch. It's dark, it's shocking, but it's also uh, very, very funny. Do watch. I would say essential watching at this time. And 
And my hope is that there will be a profound reaction to this film. I mean, I'm I'm seeing it already. I'm seeing uh, various it being being turned into things that people are referencing in YouTube videos that are made by, like for instance, uh, George Monbiot, like you know, referenced it in his thing mm. the other day. So my hope is that this film will have a profound and long-lasting effect on the people who see it. And because it's so good, people will be recommending this film to their friends who perhaps wouldn't normally watch something with this sort of subject matter. And it's going to have a bit of an impact and, and make people think a little bit and change their perspective and help them to notice Mm. how they're being manipulated because that's one of the things this film does very well is it it's not subtle about it at all it shows <laughs> very very starkly the simple processes that the government goes through and the 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 billionaires go through in order to get people to passionately believe something that benefits the government and the billionaires, but is actually massively detrimental to the people mm. whose passionate belief is fueling the entire thing. Anyway, so I hope you found that interesting. Um, if you've watched it, I would recommend you watch it again. It's kind of even better mm. the second time round, mm. and recommend it to a friend um, or more than more than one friend. Try mm. and get everyone to watch it because it really. Uh, it, it is the film of our times, I think, mm. um, partly because it, it's it's reflecting very, very precisely what's happening now, mm. but also is a an excellent predictor of what is to come. Make knowledge so, great again. I hope you found that interesting and we'll speak to you soon. Have a good apocalypse. <laughs>